We're edging closer to the restart, but there's just 10 more loose ends to tie up first. Let's get started. Another race for the world's greatest driver, Juan Manuel Fangio. Former world champion Jim Clark leapt into the lead. That's Clark's Lotus going like a bomb. And James Hunt is the world champion by just one single point. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. And that is Michael Schumacher ahead, the world champion. To become a four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world. That's for all the kids out there who dream the impossible. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of F1 in Review. The F1 2022 season resumes at Spa this weekend. But before we get back to that action, we've got to finish off our mid-season driver review. Hello, I'm Tom Claiborne and as ever, I'm joined by Tristan Fangor and Angus Gallagher. A reminder that you can follow myself and Tristan individually on Twitter as well as the F1 in Review account where we post the episodes once they've gone live on River Radio and then also when we've uploaded them to the various podcast providers, Podfollow, Spotify and the rest. So, as we were saying, for those who haven't listened to the last episode, we started at the top of the Drivers' Championship with Max Verstappen. We ranked him along with the next uh, next nine drivers down, uh, stopping at 10 on how they've done so far. So, we ended last episode with Alonso. We're now on P11, Mr. Magnussen. Tristan, our thoughts on how the Danes done so far with his return to the sport after the mini-hiatus? I feel like I'm a big Kevin Magnussen fan. Actually, and I, I think my estimations of Magnussen um, going into the, the season were lower than I think they perhaps should have been. I've forgotten how good he is. And at the very beginning of the season, you know, he got shot out of the gates um, in a blaze of glory. And I would say that he has held himself up very, very well. I mean, early on in, in the season, I gave him a nine. Right. So. And I think I think I'm 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 willing to stand by that score because he has been so just I would say he's been very consistent this year and he has certainly had some problems throughout the um throughout the, the last ten races. Um either a mix of sort of poor strategy decisions by Haas, um or at times he hasn't been the best driver. But I would say I would say that he has proved himself um without a doubt coming back into the sport and for that alone i would say you know that gets him an extra bumper point if you'd like um so i would say he's he's very much of a nine at the moment i think Haas would agree with me as well because they have made sure that he is not leaving um them anytime soon now he's got a lovely you know couple of year um renewed contract with them so he's certainly brought him um well he's brought in most of the points unfortunately i mean whether or not you're a mick fan or not that's just the reality of it and i've forgotten how good he is at defending you know at times he's been aggressive and that's just the kevin magnuson we know and well i'd say love and you know that's that's but that's what has need at the moment they need someone to demonstrate consistently that they can get points and i think kevin magnuson has absolutely done that so yeah, really big fan of his at the moment. I think he was exactly what they need after the Mazepin fiasco. And 
really to get the fans back on side. I think he is, he's done that with Mick as well. I think it's a good pairing. So yeah, 9 out of 10. I'd say he's a, you know, solid, solid driver for the Haas team. I think he's had a good season, but I think 9 is generous, if I'm honest with you. I'd say that he started very strongly. And I think that the whole, it was quite a romantic storyline of, well, the, the bit the bit about Mazepin having his contract ripped up wasn't romantic, but the bit the bit afterwards where Magnussen came in, saved the day, came back after a year out of F one, and made such a strong start. Like we forget, he qualified. I think was it sixth in Bahrain, finished fifth in the end. Um, he made a very strong start. He put his teammate in the shade. There was the factor of the basically the fact that Mick Schumacher. It was was trying so hard to match Magnussen's pace that he was crashing. That was the reason. Such was Magnussen's pace. Um, so I'd say he's had a strong season, definitely. I'd rank him alongside what Bottas has done. And I wouldn't mm. mind... I can't exactly remember, Tristan. What was my ranking that I gave for Bottas last time? Because I think I'd give the same to Magnussen, realistically. Uh, last time, you gave Bottas a 7. A 7. Yeah, I'd say I'd give the same for Magnussen because strong start... The decline hasn't necessarily been due to the driver, it's been more to the car and the fact that Haas started the season so strong but then, as with Alfa Romeo, the development race caught up with them a little bit. But I still say he's had a very, very solid season so far, shown great pace and yeah, Haas tying him down for a multi-year deal is a good move because he can both drive well and he can act as a mentor to a younger driver. So for me, 7 out of 10. Yeah, I think that's fair. I've also given him a 7. Originally, I was going to rank him slightly lower on 6.5, but then I remember that he's been out of the sport for so long, and when you consider he was called back at last minute and did a sterling job in that first race of the season in Bahrain, scoring a P5 finish is quite remarkable, really. And yes, there's been a slight drop-off here and there, but I think he's also been quite unlucky. I remember Canada, for example, when he got that black and orange flag, where, for those who don't know, once you're given that uh, type of instruction, by the stewards and the powers of Formula 1 you then have to go and take a pit stop to rectify any issues that you have that are dangerous to other competitors so they deem. But I wasn't too convinced that that was worthy of said flag. I've seen many drivers carry on with more significant damage and not be given that flag. So Taking that into consideration, because I think that's happened a number of times, when you consider how long he's been out of the sport and the fact that he's beating his teammate, an individual who has such high potential, you know, many accolades in terms of people speaking well of him, beating him quite convincingly, really, when it comes to him bringing in the bulk of the points. He scored, what should I say, finishing the points uh, five times compared to Mick Schumacher, which is only twice. I think he's done a pretty good job. I mean... Yes, it hasn't been perfect, but what can you really expect, I think, from a man who was literally race-ready in many capacities? You know, he wasn't not racing, he was fit and able, etc. But I think the whole mental stress of that to start with and the chaotic nature of Haas moving forwards, I think he's provided some steady leadership and some stability. And as you say there, Tristan, I think it was wrong of Haas looking back with the sort of revisionist view to to kick him out, really, because, yes, he wasn't doing amazingly well when he was um, dumped, shall we say, for Mazepin, but then again, the tech wasn't really there for him to do a sterling job, and we see that when he does have the good equipment, he is a very, very dependable driver, so 7 out of 10, not perfect, but, yeah, two thumbs up, really. I'd say, though, just as a caveat to Kevin Magnussen, I think if Haas are able to keep their current position of 7th in the championship, because underneath them is Alpha Tauri, right, for, for context there, 
Mm. If they are able to um, keep that position, then I think that can only be down to Kevin Magnussen unless Schumacher has an absolutely wild second half of the season and Mm. Magnussen has a terrible, terrible season because Kevin Magnussen, I think, will be you know, a you know, a massive part, I'd say seventy-five percent the reason why Haas gets up from tenth place to seventh place in a single year because of his, you know, ability to get back into the sport. And for that, you know, I think that proves him to be a, you know, a really, really quality driver for different reasons than we'd maybe rate someone like, you know, Max Verstappen. You know, this uh, my nine for Magnussen is is very different for why I give someone like Verstappen a nine. So we go one rung further down the ladder to Daniel Ricciardo. Should we go for Angus to start with? I feel you're the more middleman when it comes to him. Mm, can the middleman give a low rating? I guess. No, oh, can he? Um, <laughs> four, simply because, and I feel like I'm being generous there, honestly. Because he's just he's just not hit the ground running, man. He's just not hit ground running, and there fully was an expectation of there was a couple of expectations. I think before the season started, I think one of them was that McLaren would be better than what they are. We thought they looked good in pre-season testing. I remember Norris, I think, was quickest in the first test um, on the first test day, and and ironically at the time he said, "Oh, that means nothing. Look, we're not that fast," and he was right. Um, so. That was one expectation we had. The other one was that Ricardo would be a lot closer because, you know, year two, knows the team better, knows the routines. He'd be able to get more, get on more of a par with him. But he's got worse. He's got worse mm. somehow. Like, this is a man who has such, like, pedigree in the sport, a man who's won eight Grand Prix, And he's just struggling so bad. And it's just, it's still, it doesn't make much sense still. And you look at his results, and there's, I'm looking. He's finishing the points four times. He came sixth in Australia. That was a good result. Um, but every other race, like he's just been completely off it. Every race that they finished in the points, any one of them, where Ricardo's been in the points and ahead of Norris, he's been outclassed completely. He's just not even sl- slow in qualifying, slow in the races. And it's just, it's just weird to see. So yeah, four for me, just because. He's been he's had an absolute stinker and it's possibly costing him his future in the sport. Hmm. Angus uh, and Tom, therefore I think you're going to agree on lots of these points. So maybe Tom, do you wanna do you wanna go next? So maybe I'll uh, I'll try and rebalance the, the conversation at towards the end. Go on then. Go on then. Yes, I also give him a four out of ten. He did a very good move in Hungary, for example, a double overtake. And there ends his good moves in Formula 1 for the season. I mean, so far, points four times out of 13 races. 57 points behind his teammates. He should be a lot higher up, I think, not only due to his talent, which is quite evident, really, but also the car. I'm hearing now the he's in a new car, given time line has dissipated or disappeared because it is no longer viable, really, and he should be up a lot higher. And I think it's costing McLaren moving forwards. I think it would be against the team's best interest, that is McLaren's interest, to keep him on for another season. I think I don't think there's any surprise, really, that we hear Zach Brown coyly speaking about mechanisms in his contract, that being Ricardo's contract, to get rid of him early before his 2023 departure or expiry date. 
and really disappointing because when he arrived or when he was announced to replace Carlos Sainz, I thought that was an upgrade for McLaren. I thought that Norris and Ricciardo were the most exciting pairing on the grid and it's just not turned out for whatever reason really. I think for all parties that he has to, to go really. But I think when it comes to the upcoming race in Spa, this could be a chance for him to change people's minds and to have one last roll of the dice and to perhaps show... Um, Zach Brown and Co. Why they perhaps shouldn't go for Oscar Piastri or somebody else, but um, it really is last chance saloon for him, I think. But I don't buy this argument as well that I've seen floated around on social media that somehow this is not Ricardo's fault, and if Zach Brown were to dump him, it would be some sort of conspiracy plot to get rid of Ricardo. I they, ultimately he's got to be held accountable for what's been a really average, if I'm being kind run with a team really that were looking to perhaps break into the big two or big three if you're counting Ferrari have just joined. Blimey, what a what a scathing school report, eh? If you uh if you got <laughs> handed that at the end of your at the end of your year, it's the one that you would hide in the bottom of your bag at all costs <laughs> until uh two months later when your parents go rummaging around they go, What's this? And you go, Oh don't worry, that was two months ago. Well uh, that's you know old news now. Old news. Um yes the report card of Daniel Ricciardo, I think, would have at the moment a D minus, or for me, I'm going to give him a five out of ten. Um, I mean, the thing is, Daniel Ricciardo is such a wonderful person to have on the grid, and I don't think any of us can deny that. The smiley, happy, go lucky, funny, genuinely funny individual. There isn't that air of arrogance that you get with people like Lando Norris, for example, who does sort of show like to show off and 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 you know that's part of his persona whereas ricardo's picked a persona which i think is more enviable the kind friendly happy person that you know you'd love to spend time with but unfortunately and it is unfortunate that doesn't play well in you know top level sport it will help you get there trust me you know that that's that's a given but once you're there, you then have to demonstrate that you know you you need to stay. And if you compare Daniel Ricciardo with Lando Norris, as you say, Tom, right? I've done I've done the maths in the other way. So you said that he scored points four times. Well, that means he didn't score points nine times out of thirteen. Nine times. Mm. Which and if you compare that to Lando Norris. Lando Norris has only not scored points three times. So that means Daniel Ricciardo has three times more pointsless finishes than Lando Norris. And that's that's not insignificant. You know, that's that's pretty poor. And if this was anyone else, anyone else less friendly, less kind and, and funny, you know, maybe our claws would be out a bit more. Which I think demonstrates to you why it's so important to have a nice persona. You know, maybe people are more forgiving. And, and yes, the, the comments have died down now of, well, he's only bad because it's a you know, new car. Unfortunately, it looks like McLaren is getting their claws out a bit and are eyeing up the, the possible you know, future generation stars that they can nab early. And so you've got to ask yourself the question, if you've got one driver floundering and a potential to grab an up-and-coming star like Oscar Piastri, 
then what are you going to do? Because the other thing is, I bet Piastri costs a lot less. And, and so I think Daniel, at his time in McLaren, is coming to an end. But I, I do hope he goes back to someone like Alpine. Personally, I think that would be a good move for him. I think it would give him an opportunity to be at a team he's performed quite well at before. Um, but I can only judge him for what he's done so far. And we move further down the list now to Pierre Gasly. I'll start off now. I'll give him a 4 out of 10. He scored points three times out of 13 races. And yes, it's been a poor start for AlphaTauri. And yes, there was a lot of concern over the Red Bull powertrain at the start of the race. But I don't think they've really got enough criticism that they deserve, really. Because they are currently below Haas. Which, let's remind ourselves, they were bottom of the table, Haas F1, and now have leapfrogged them. And they don't really look remotely like repeating the P3 finish of 2021 or the P1 finish of 2020, both achieved by Pierre Gasly. And yes, of course, in Formula 1, the equipment, the car is so important, but... We're now looking at a driver who's 26 years old, a driver who needs to be showing the world, I think, that he is worthy of breaking out of that Red Bull Academy because I don't think, really, if we're being realistic, he has a chance of usurping Perez or, you know, dare I even say Max Verstappen. He needs to be showing the experience and the nous and the quality, I think, that we hear from Magnussen or we see from Magnussen and we see how valuable he can be. Or even Perez, we saw how valuable he was in his prime age and getting older. Hence, he got the upgrade and um, leapfrogged uh, Pierre Gasly to get that second seat. But... He's been linked so many times to various different constructors, Alpine, the French connection there, McLaren as well. I remember early in the season thinking he'd do a better job than Daniel Ricciardo. But looking now, I don't think he's showing us why he deserves an upgrade on AlphaTauri or why, realistically, AlphaTauri shouldn't be seen as anything but a B team, a junior team to Red Bull. They distanced themselves in terms of the name, changed from Toro Rosso to AlphaTauri and were dubbed a sister team repeatedly by Helmut Marco and others. But they're not showing me, and by extension, Pierre Gasly, a driver who's been in the sport for many seasons, are not showing me their quality and the pizzazz that they once had, really. So, 4 out of 10. Oh, Gasly. How the mighty, mightiest fallen in our scores. Um, Gasly was was put on a pedestal and, and last season, and, and deservedly so. I, I don't I don't think I agree, actually, that he's got 4. I'm going to give him a 6. I, and, you know, that's 50% more than, than you gave him. And that's fitting because Gasly's got 50% more points than Yuki Tsunoda, give or take. Um, <laughs> quick maths there. Um, and I, I think that's reflective of where AlphaTauri is because they. He, I think Gasly's done a pretty solid job um, this season. His mind, I, I think, is actually on on the future and where he's going to go next because, look, he's outgrown. He's outgrown AlphaTauri, do you not think? It's about time that he he was given a, you know a, a a more competitive seat. I think I think Alpha Tauri were punching above their weight rather than um than much else. And this year, they've they've slipped back towards the Toro Rosso days when they were very much towards the back of the grid. And you know and when when you're in that position, you can you know make do and, and try to um. And tried to get the the best results you can, but just looking at Gazi's performance, right? You know, he, he in Hungary he went from twentieth and finished twelfth. 
in Monaco, he started 17th and finished 11th. Those are those are good drives. And then there are there are uh, like we can go the other way. Like uh, in Bahrain, he started tenth and finished, and he didn't even finish the race because the engine went bang. If you remember that. Mm. And in Britain, um, mm. he started eleventh and again failed to finish the race. Um, although that was again he had some problems there. But you know he he's demonstrated some great drives, and almost in all cases throughout this season, he's finished higher than. He started. Azerbaijan started sixth, finished fifth. These are good drives for 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 an Alpha Tari this year. An Alpha Tari that isn't actually as competitive as we we once hoped it would be. They had a slightly different design to Red Bull, and it's not you know been as fast. And so, I think he's proved himself in his his consistency to be able to finish better than he started. And I respect him for that. So yeah, I I don't I think it's disingenuous to score him um so low because remember we, this score isn't necessarily reflective on how many points you score. Otherwise, we'd just be basically mimicking the uh, overall drivers' table, right? So I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just being a bit kind on on Gasly, but. You know, would I would you say that he's on the same level as Ricardo? With bear in mind, you've just said how Ricardo doesn't really deserve his seat. I would argue he's doing better than Sonoda and deserves a seat. So yeah, I'm going to give him a six. That's a six is lower actually than I've given. Basically, any uh, sorry, it's it's lower than everyone else except from Ricardo. So I think he fits into that space quite nicely. But time will tell. But I think he's looking now actually to go up to the next level I think 4 is extremely harsh like come on he's not been that bad he's had not a great season but I think the car has really let him down I think he's still been not as comfortably but still pretty comfortably better than his teammate which is what you're asked to do in Formula 1 he also had what I thought was one of the drives of the season to go and stick it in 5th in Azerbaijan you know in amongst a set of very poor results he managed to qualify up in sixth and then finish fifth. Like that's a hell of a drive from Gasly there. And I think if we talk about his future and everything, I think that it's probably best for him to step out of the Red Bull stable. He won't get that Red Bull seat ever. It's too like it's holding him back too much. Yeah. But Helmut Marco really wants to torture him apparently. <laughs> so <laughs> it's um. Yes. Like, yeah, I think four is harsh. I, I'm leaning towards five and a half because, yeah, he's not been spectacular. But, like, yeah, he's not hit the highest of last season either. So room for improvement, definitely. Well, if Gasly deserves better, where does he deserve to go to? Because in my mind, he's not good enough for McLaren. Alpine, maybe? Where, where would he go, do you think? I think either of those two places, to be honest. I think those would be the most logical steps up. And... There's the the only thing would be Ocon and Gasly at Alpine. What will the dynamics be of that? And McLaren clearly want Piastri. Um, but yeah, like I I don't know. Maybe I'm still basing it more on last season and the year before. And I admit he's not been as good this season, but he's still he's still got it in him. He's still like a very good driver. So yeah, I still argue he deserves better. To be honest, I mean what you've identified there, Tom, is I think in the the major criticism of of daughter teams and stuff like that because he's going to be a little bit hampered now but could you imagine him both uh you know that has been the most french thing ever 
Alpine with Ocon and Gasly. Like they, they, that would be a incredible dynamic. I, I was trying to find. I tried to frantically try and find when the, the last time the French, a French Formula One team had an entirely <laughs> French um, set of drivers, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't finish um, looking up in time. That just sprung to me. So that's a shame. But um, that would be an incredible dynamic. I mean, it would be a who can be the the best French driver in the French car, which would be fantastic. I don't know though. I don't know whether or not he would end up in Alpine. I would like him to. I think Alpine's a really solid choice actually for him, and it would shake the shackles of Red Bull because, as you say, Helmut Marko is tormenting him by um keeping him, I don't know, firmly in the um you know reined in if you'd like. Um, I think perhaps Gasly. I would have said mm. Gasly, someone like um. Aston Martin or Racing Point because Racing Point were relatively competitive uh, and then Aston Martin have been less than competitive but that that sort of team would be good I think if he could try and identify someone like Aston Martin or Williams um, that were on an upward trajectory then I think that's his best bet I think going in for Ferrari is a no-go and that includes Ferrari and the daughter teams so that's no to Haas and that's no to uh, Sauber, um, and as they are now, Sauber Alfa Romeo, although perhaps that's going to change given the engine rules got um, released and therefore Porsche and Audi might be coming in. Um, and then he's can't, he's never going to go anywhere in Red Bull because he's currently in Alfa Tauri. And so Mercedes, uh, could, he, could he go to Mercedes and Mercedes team? Probably, but not the Mercedes team. So it would have to be, um, as I say, Williams or Aston Martin or McLaren, but McLaren's full. And then, of course, there's Alpine. So, yeah, that's where... So I think those that's that sort of grouping there. I'd love him to go to Alpine. As I say, I think it would be amazing for him to drive for a French team because, well, who wouldn't want to drive for a, a team from your home country? I think that's an incredible honour and privilege and one I think Pierre Gasly would do well to, to take up the challenge for. It does give me strong vibes of Hamilton Button and the McLaren was it 2010 to 12, I think, around then? Um, yeah, yeah, good old. Uh, yeah, I think that would be quite a solid pairing, but I think these rankings come back to how we view these drivers in terms of what we expected from them. And with respect to Gazda, I expected him to be beating someone like Daniel Ricciardo. I expected him to be higher than Sebastian Vettel, and he is higher, but he's joint on points. But when you consider that Vettel missed two races owing to COVID, takes the sheen off it slightly and when you consider he's behind Magnussen and Alonso who's had retirement issues I don't know I expected a bit more from a driver who's been in the sport for nearly three years now I think beating your teammate of Yuki Tsunoda who is very highs and lows very inconsistent is kind of the bare minimum really but maybe I'm being slightly harsh perhaps we've been spoiled by the Alpha Tauri's car for the last couple of years because mm. if I was to if I was to remove in Alpha Tauri's name, and say to you, by the way, Pierre Gasly in a Toro Rosso is almost matching another driver in a McLaren. How does that sound? It does sound a lot better, to be fair. Problem is, Alpha <laughs> Tauri has been a very, very good team, and I think perhaps mm. we've been spoiled by that. So, this is the point of the averaging, though, and I have been averaging our scores. So I've created, if you'd like, at the end of this a um, F1 in review driver's standings, which I hope doesn't just match the constructors um, and the driver's standings because 
Well, that'd be a bit disappointing, wouldn't it? <laughs> and we now go down to P14 or joint P13, as I mentioned just there very briefly. Sebastian Vettel, what do we make of him? We know this will be his final season in Formula 1, but how is he doing so far? And what does he need to do? Come Spa to rejuvenate his career and climb a bit higher? I reckon, in terms of rating, I'm going to give him... Mm, I was going to say six and a half, but I was, is that like exaggerated by the fact he's retiring and it's all very sweet and we all all the fond memories of him have come flooding back and we've forgotten the some of the underwhelming performances of the last three to four years. But he has had some standout moments this year. His drive in Imola to eighth was very, very good. In back when the Aston Martin car is better now, but it used to be an absolute dog at the start of the year. So to get eighth there was a very good achievement. I think... His drive in Azerbaijan, he has this weird record in um, in Azerbaijan that he's always finished in the top six there, even in the last two years in his Dogs of Aston Martins. Um, and he's like, he's been keeping up a bit of pace, he's been outpacing Lance Stroll. Again, you'd kind of expect that from a four-time world champion, but still he's like, he's ticked that box. And I'm going to say, if I gave Gasly a six, I'd say Vettel would get a six as well for having some high points not being as good as previous years and yeah like nothing really to shout about but six i think is the rating he'll get from me a six would place him just slightly higher than gasly on your rating and equal to my rating of of him i i think you're right i think we're being nice because he's retiring Mm -hmm. i i I like the fact that he's he's continued to match his Azerbaijan results, especially more impressive being in the Aston Martin. But I think Vettel is not as good as, as he once was. He's fallen quite a lot from from that sort of... Even at Ferrari, he's, he's on a bit of a downhill now. And I think he appreciates that, hence why he's retiring. I'm going to give him... I'm going to give him the same score as Ricardo. I'm going to give him a five. Because he's managed to pull the dog of a car up to, you know, a level where it's it's semi-respectable. But there's no getting around the fact that, you know, he he's been I wouldn't say that exceptional this season, pretty unmemorable, which is mm. a real shame for someone in their last season. But hardly anyone goes out on a bang, like that. Nico Rosberg went out on a bang, right? Beat Lewis Hamilton and went right. That's it. No more. <laughs> You know, that, that's an incredible thing to, to go out on. So the fact that I'm not remembering Vettel for being terrible is also a good thing. Hence why he's getting a five. I think he's hmm. I think he will be one of those drivers this year where when I come back to watch a race in 2022, I'll go, oh, yeah, Vettel drove this season. Oh, that's nice. This must have been his last season. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that. But hopefully he can have some amazing results later on in the season. And I will be completely proved wrong, but hey, I'm not holding my breath for it, to be honest. Yeah, I have to agree. I think Vettel is leaving the sport at the right time, really. And I think that fans of the sport, of the sport, and even Vettel, you know, more generally, will be wanting him to have a real bounce come Belgium and come the sort of second half of the season, really, because it has been underwhelming. I'll give him a five out of ten as well. He's done well, you know, points in terms of 
five times out of 13 races. Is good in a really dodgy car. He is beating Lance Stroll, but you would expect that from a multi-time champion. But it's a far cry, isn't it, really, from what we're used to, even at Ferrari, let alone the Red Bull days. And I think he's doing what Raikkonen should have done and left while he's still at a decent level versus while he's really on the decline. I think if he were to stay for another season, we'd be almost trying to push him out the door going, well, you've had your time, you've, you're you keeping a seat warm for the sake of it now, and it's just forming as a blockage, really, for talent, be that in a Mercedes team like Nick de Vries, for example, um, and other drivers who were in that position, really. So, Yes, it's going to be sad to see him go, but looking at this season so far, I can see why he's going, really. And the fact that he is just above Mick Schumacher, who we're all saying has had a really hmm, underwhelming season in many aspects, you can't square the circle of saying Vettel's been wonderful and then Schumacher's been not so good when there's only four points that separate them and when you consider that they're both quite equal, I think, in terms of cars when we look further down the season after the... I suppose, development bounce of the start. And talking about the man himself, Mick Schumacher, what would we give him then? Let's go with... Let's go with Angus. Hmm. Tale of two halves, really, for his season. Well, not even two halves, because he had two good races and the rest has been average. So a tale of, I don't know, like two twelfths and then ten twelfths, if that's, that's not a phrase. But anyway. Um, <laughs> so, like... I think as much as he has improved enough to show some potential and to have those couple of points finishes in Silverstone in Austria, he's crashed a lot. He's cost his team a lot of money. He's not as fast as his teammate who's been out of F1 for a year. He's struggled in many aspects. Um, <clears throat> he took out his F1 dad in Miami. That's just that's cardinal sin, that, uh, <laughs> in taking out Vettel. Um and his future is not yet secure as well. Now, of course, you can't let that affect the rating too much because that's not that's like something to do with the team has themselves rather than like anything, like everything that Schumacher has done. But yeah, I think he's been pretty average, really. Um, yeah, he's been all right, but and he's shown some good pace. I think to be fair, that weekend in Austria, where he finished sixth in the race, had a strong overall. Like feeding for the car, seventh in qualifying, got a good position in the sprint. That was nice. That was good. It was nice to see in Silverstone that he was actually racing a bit and not just like not just settling for for eighth. He wants to get past Verstappen for seventh at the time. That was encouraging to see. But I think overall he has been very average. So for me, not as not as average as Ricardo because Ricardo has been below average, but. I'm going to say five for Mick. Just five. Hmm. Just five. Tom, Just five. you were relatively kind to uh, Schumacher, I think, going into the the last into the last ratings that we did um, at the at the beginning. You gave him a five. Okay. I'd be interested to know whether or not you're going higher or lower. Well, what if I were to tell you I'm staying exactly the same, ah. five out of ten? 
Crazy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he's been a real flash in the pan so far. We saw, as you say, the back-to-back -back points in Silverstone and Austria. Thought, here we go. This is where you know we'll lit the match. It's going to go and explode into some wonderful racing. We were told that Schumacher takes a while to get going, but once he gets going, boom, watch him go. But that's not really happened, has it? When you look at the remainder of the first half of the season, and I think. The gap between him and Magnussen is concerning. When you consider that Magnussen's not been in the sports and then Schumacher's been in the sport, and but it has for a season or so, you've got to go and think, well, should the gap really be that big? Perhaps not. I think he's really is singing for his supper in the second half of the season. I think Spa would be a good race for him to go and show his quality there because we see how well the Haas car had previously done at somewhere like Bahrain, for example, and it, how good it could do in Saudi Arabia. So you know, power circuits, which I think it's fair to say Spa has a lot of elements for, but I am quite concerned, really, by comments coming out from Gunter Steiner, for example, saying he needs to get more points by the news that just broke today. We're recording on Monday that Giovinazzi, my arch nemesis, <laughs> my kryptonite, <laughs> is returning to the sport in the form of first practice one driving that Haskar. When you consider that Mick Schumacher is without a contract, if this one isn't renewed come the end of it, I think he's got a lot of work to do and... Part of me thought to myself, once he got those back-to-back -back points, he'd approve the doubters wrong in terms of getting those points in isolation or getting some more points moving forwards. But I think if we're looking at the drivers in terms of the second half of the leaderboard, he's the one who has the biggest point to prove and needs to have the best second half of his career, really, because I can't believe I'd be saying this, but... Mick Schumacher, the son of Michael, may not be in Formula 1 come next season. Him and Giovinazzi may do a switcheroonie. He may be the reserve driver, that being Schumacher. And Giovinazzi, the fiend, will be returning to the sport. I hope not, but there we go. <laughs> I think this is when reflecting on these drivers, I think you have to take the, the uh, overarching emotive feeling. And I can't shake the feeling of mild disappointment. And I'm so sorry. And I know... I know if you've listened to this podcast every week, you'll go, I don't know a minute. You're, you know, touting how brilliant he is. And I know, I know we are. We are. We're very supportive of Mick. You can't yeah. be. But he scored all of his points in two races. That's it. Mm. And yes, like in Great Britain, there was an incredible drive from 19th to 8th. One of the best, actually, this season. And he took, took advantage of circumstances fantastically but he has only scored twice which isn't very good <laughs> let's you know mm. and, and like in canada it was heartbreaking starting in sixth and not even being able to finish the race you know that was unfortunate and there has been these unfortunate moments but also i can't help get the feeling that the taint on this season at the moment so far is being that you know if he qualifies in the points you're not sure he's going to get to the end of the race or get to the end of the race in the points and for that i have to give him a four and i think that's justifiable because i think he has been a four i think he has been and slightly not as good driver as we'd hope but that's not saying that you know he can't he can't raise himself up so i want him to so i i'm gonna have to give him a four i think that's fair um, and I think once we go to the end and that we sort some these drivers by um, how we rank them, I think you'll fit in quite nicely. But yeah, I really hope I can score much higher by the end of the season. Hopefully he's now got 
the wind in his sails a bit and he can fly high. I'm mixing analogies now. Um, but yes, you know, if it rains in Spa, he might do amazing in the rain. So fingers crossed, eh, for, for Mick, because it'd be good to have the Schumacher name back in the sport for longer than two years. Um, and then we'll see where he goes from from here. How we go further down, we're creeping towards the bottom. It is Yuki Tsunoda. I'm giving him a 4 out of 10. And without repeating, really, my critique of Gasly and indeed of AlphaTauri, I think when you consider he's got three points, when you consider he's scored points three times out of 13 races this season compared to five out of 13 come this point last season, there is a clear downgrade, not only in the car, but also with the driver himself. And how do I describe that? How do I explain that and justify that point? Well, he is six points off the F1 debutant Guan Yu Zhou. And when you consider he's five points off his teammates, he's really in no man's land. And for a driver who was touted as the next big thing to come out of the Red Bull uh, Academy, he burst onto the scene really, I think it's fair to say, going straight from F2 to F1. There were question marks about him, but he did supremely well. Highlighted, I think, by the fact he got a P4 finish in Abu Dhabi amidst the chaos of that race. He has definitely shown his talent and also shown his flaws with the fact that he could be rather shouty and sweary on the radio. But nonetheless, it was a raw talent. There was talent there to be seen. But we're not really seeing that so far this season. A P8, a P7, a P10. These are all fine occasionally, but it's not really what we were told or were teased with in our season of what may be to come, really. And I think he's got to be showing more of his worth to Red Bull, to AlphaTauri and to everybody else. Because currently, I think if there were another driver, and I can't say my knowledge of the Red Bull Academy is too tip-top, but if there was another Sonoda let's say, in the pipeline, he could easily be usurped by that Sonoda, if that makes sense. Because <laughs> as we saw with with, with Daniel uh, Kvyat, for example, it's not good enough to be teetering around in 16th position, uh, having one or two good finishes in the points. You could easily get dumped for somebody else. So I think similar to Mick, he's a young talent who has potential but needs to go and show his quality come Belgium and the races to come as well. So, what are you giving him? You last time you gave him a five. Oh, sorry, a four. Giving him a, a four. four. Mm. Angus, what about you? You think that's too harsh, or is Tom giving Sonoda too much credit? If I gave Gasly a five and a half, I'm going to give Sonoda a five because I think there's been more promise and more pace so far this season. But he needs at this stage, he needs more than promise. He needs like he needs to start delivering results. I think that his temperament is clearly better. He has he's had he's had less sweary outbursts on the radio this year, which I guess is something, right? Um, and he seems like he's got a calmer head on his shoulders. And he started the season well. He started uh, on Gasly's pace, if not above it. He came seventh in Imola. He came eighth in Bahrain. Showed some great results. Was really put in a good shift. But since he got his last, he got his last points finish in Spain, and that was three and a half months ago. Now I know that's a long time, but there's been since he got his last point, there's been seven more races. So he's not backed up the strong start that he had with the season. The one saving grace for him is that we're talking about the Red Bull Academy. There's not, it's not exactly stacked right now with people to come through. You look at the F2 series. You currently got the Red Bull drivers of Daruvula, Iwasa, Lawson and Hauger 
currently occupying 5th, 7th, 8th and 12th in the F2 Championship. Now that may change, of course. A strong, a strong second half of the season could sway their fortunes, but Sonoda's probably lucky that there's not too many apt replacements at the moment. Of course, there is Alex Albon, but he signed a long-term contract with Williams, and he's now I think he's officially now out of the Red Bull stable because his loan would be over. So there aren't many options to replace Sonoda, and that will give him the saving grace, I reckon. It will give him another year because they clearly have high hopes for him, but high hopes that he has not yet met. And whilst he seems like a nice bloke and an affable bloke, uh, and also happens to be one of the shortest human beings I've ever seen, he has not yet backed up the hype with the results. And you'd argue it needs to start happening soon. But I think he has improved slightly this season. So for me, 5 out of 10. I can't really add anything to that. I think I agree with both your points, but I'm just going to use those points and score him a 4. Mm. So, yeah, I think that, that sets him quite nicely for our scoring. Excellent scores and uh, points, both of you there. Thank you. I'll try my best. And we go further down to Zhou Guan Yu. I'm giving him a 5 out of 10. He's a debutant in the sport. He's got points twice in the 13 races. I think he's made a solid start for a debutant when you compare him to Mick Schumacher's first season, for example. Um, but I think you know it's understandable that he is far away from Valtteri Bottas, shall we say, in the leaderboard here. He's yet to sign a contract for Alfa Romeo, but the rumours say that's all nailed on. And I think he's he's made a good start, but he needs to, like with so many of these young drivers, carry on that and be a bit more consistent to boost that up from a five, I'd say. Well, you gave him an eight last time, Tom. So that's one of the, yeah. the biggest falls from grace we've had so far. Blimey. What do you think it is that, wrong? that's made that, that was wrong with go that down day? so much for you? <laughs> Um, I think really he did well he burst onto the scene didn't he with uh, Bahrain for example and since then he's been a driver that I easily forget about really he's not really threatened I think in terms of I don't back him let's say to go from P15 to P9 or I don't back him to really carve his way through the grid but then again it is a debutant you don't really expect that, do you? So I think I was maybe just getting a little bit high off the fact that he had started off so well. But um, I think we then saw the, the, the crushing inevitability of the sort of fact that once a driver starts off well and a team starts off well, that doesn't always translate in the wider term. But I, sure, going from 8 to 5 makes it sound like I hate the bloke now. But I think he's done fairly well for for a driver that's in a, a competent car of, of Alfa Romeo. Perhaps he could be a little higher if I were to be really critical, but he's done far better than other debutants, I think, when it comes to not only that team, but the sport more generally. Mm, I think it's tricky to judge his season because, like, I don't know about the rest of you lot, but my expectations for him weren't, like, extremely high because, yes, he did well in mm. F2, but he came, what was it, third in the end behind, I want to say, Piastri and Schwartzman, and he'd been, it was his fourth year in F2. So... By that stage, you're like, well, if you hadn't shown anything by now, then surely you wouldn't have got to F1. Now, I think part of the reason for him being in F1, clearly we have to allow the factor of his nationality and the fact there's a huge Chinese market to tap into, both via the races that are held in China and also the fact there's now a Chinese F1 driver. But I think overall he's probably exceeded my... Without sounding harsh, which I'm going to now sound harsh anyway, he's exceeded my expectations because I thought he'd be dire, but he... But he's not. <laughs> but he's not been nowhere near yeah. as dire as I thought. 
because he scored points in his debut. He's shown decent pace. The points deficit to Bottas looks pretty gnarly. I can't lie, it's a big one. But he has been unlucky. He's had more mechanical retirements than any other driver on the grid. And he's been in the points on a couple of those occasions. Mm. Uh, Notably, Azerbaijan, where he was racing with Gasly and Vettel when he retired. And they went on to finish fifth and sixth. So he could have been on for an absolute barnstormer of a result had his car kept together then. Mm. Um, We may be viewing his season completely differently. But Canada, eighth place, strong result. And I wonder whether... Like he sort of again, it's the same with Bottas, and that the car has not helped them in recent races. And I wonder if his crash he had at Silverstone, lest we forget, a huge, monstrous crash. Lest we forget, yeah. I don't know if that's like if that's had an impact on him over the races since. Now, racing drivers will compartmentalize it and just be like, "Well, you know what? That's racing. I'm going to get on with it." But when you have a crash like that and come unscathed from it, you must have a bit of a, a mixture of like relief and everything running through your veins. So I wonder if that's had an impact on him in recent races. But overall, again, pretty average season. I'd put him on a par with Sonoda, so a five for me. Oh, would you look at that, Angus? Uh, I, well, I was really struggling then um, to give him a score. I, I was like, oh, I'll give him a, a four. But you've raised me up half a point um, with those excellent <laughs> points. I, I'm, I'm giving him a 4.5, which I think is fair. I mean, yes, this is his first season absolutely to to score points on your on your debut is fantastic i think he's going to struggle a bit in the in the alfa romeo um and he's had a lot of problems this season but to be honest i think you reminded me then quite nicely of of actually his successes so i think a 4.5 is fair in terms of how well he's doing he isn't clearly he's not as good as bottas this year and that's a real shame but then that's reflective in the fact that you know, I, I scored Bottas a 7.5 and I think he's doing amazing. So Sonoda has a lot to prove still, but he is going a long way to prove it. And I think, you know, that in itself might bump him up a, a good couple of points in the end of the season if he's consistent in in in, in actually getting in the fights and, and bringing that car up to the, the right places, even if he then goes on to retire because of a mechanical fault. You know, the fact is mm. he was there in and amongst it. So, yeah, yeah 4.5 from from me for that one and we're nearly there we now go down to lance stroll i'm giving him a two out of (laughs) ten it is his fifth season in formula one he's got points four times out of 13 he's 18th at the moment with uh four points he's below with debutants in formula one he is below many a driver who were in their second or third season why is the man in formula one he's 12 points off vettel need i say more (laughs) <laughs> two oh wow uh stroll mm, yeah ah excellent points you've got there tom um i i think stroll has had an odd season actually he's clearly the car isn't very good uh in, in any shape or form and to they themselves at aston martin have decided halfway through to redesign the car which is i would say a bold move um, it's it's not often they do that, um, but you know Stroll has managed to get four points, so that's not you know at least he's got points, which makes him better than other drivers we've had in the championship before and maybe current. Um, uh, but those points have all come from the fact that he's finished in tenth place, which isn't a respectable thing to do. Now I think about it for the Aston Martin, which would be terrible. I'm not going to give him a two. I'm going to give him a three. Um, 
the Aston Martin has been a pretty poor car. And, you know, he has managed to get that thing into points, which, you know, is a pretty impressive thing to do. Um, but he's not blown me away. So I, and I'm using impressive in a very loose turn now. I'm just being nice. So, yeah, I would say a three. But Lance Stroll, if, if he was in any other car, I would say that his time is coming to an end in Formula One. But luckily, his dad owns the team. So, you know, he's safe. <laughs> Four out of ten. His results are okay. Um, he's been what I'd describe as you. I, I, I've, I will admit the last couple of races I've been doing other things at the time, and I've been checking the live timing timing screens. And whether it's because of like the sequences of pit stops that he ends up in a loftier position, he seems to be he flirts with the points more than he used to. Um, but that's about all I can say for him. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. F- four out of ten. Four out of ten. I don't like the idea of stroll flirting. (laughs) (laughs) And we're nearly there. It's unfortunately a Williams driver, one of two. You've guessed it, Alex Albon. I'm going to give him a six. And you may think that's that's very nice of you, Tom. He's only scored points in two races out of 13. But I think he's done a pretty good job in terms of replacing George Russell. There's no doubt that Williams' car is one of, if not the worst, on the grid, uh, really. And yes, there is a sizable gap of 17 points from themselves to Aston Martin. But I think, really, he is integral to all things good in this team. And I mean that because he brings a lot of experience from the Red Bull and Red Bull Academy days. But also... Realistically, we'll get onto him later, but Latifi is not too much better than Stroll in my mind. You need someone with racing craft and ability and to stay in there, really, to make sure the team kicks on. I think him signing that contract, uh, the multi-year contract with Williams, gives me hope that Williams can one day get themselves off the foot of the table, really. So, more to do, but I think he's shown me why he deserves to be back in Formula 1 and to be a team leader again. Mm quite agree actually and Albon as although he's not got many points has done some incredible drives Australia 20th to 10th um then in, in Italy 18th to 11th Miami 18th to 9th that's just that's that's nuts Azerbaijan 17th to 12th ah fantastic those are those are quality drives and I think um when you go back and look at this season I think we'll be quite favorable to Albon I quite agree Tom great score from you as a six I'm not gonna be quite that generous so I'm gonna give him a five I think he's absolutely proving his place back in the sport good on Albon so yeah I'm gonna give him a five I'm I'm so pleased he's back maybe I'm just being nice because I like Albon but hey my score so yeah mm. you disagree let us know I'm sure you will mm. Mm. I'm gonna give him a seven now that may that may surprise some people Sweet. may surprise some people because for a man who's 19th in the drivers championship you know and sevens don't we don't hand those out lightly but for me i gave bottas and magnuson a seven for strong performances this season in cars which realistically are in the bottom half of the grid overall and for me albon has to fit into that i think his early season performances if he'd carried his early season consistency on throughout the season i could maybe even bump him up but I think he has dropped off a tiny bit. A bit like Bottas and Magnussen, like they they take they've taken advantage of some early unreliability amongst the field, and they have managed to get themselves some good positions. Albon certainly, I thought his drive in Australia, which lest we forget, twentieth to tenth, Tristan. But if we remind ourselves as well, it was fifty six laps on a set of tyres, pitting on the penultimate lap, 
yeah, and doing and doing a one lap, getting up to mm. seventh and doing a one lap dash <laughs> just ahead of it was Grand Joe I've got here who finished behind him. So seven for me. Also, let's not forget the fact that he has walked into a team where Nicholas Latifi said that he could take a leading role this year, and Al <laughs> and Albon has absolutely slapped him up. He's winning eleven one in qualifying mm. in qualifying sessions where they've both taken part without penalties. So. He's fully taken control of that team. He's even been told he's he's clearly very popular within the team. His team principal, Jost Capito, has even said, "Oh, he's very good, but he's still a bit too nice." So you know that that would be his maybe his one thing to bump up his rating as well. But I think, in all seriousness, he's had a good, a very good season. Year out of F one, admittedly a year out with a heavy amount of testing in the the championship winning Red Bull, but still. Solid, solid job from Albon. So seven for me. Well, we're running out of time, so we'll finally get on to Nicholas Latifi. Our thoughts on him. He's 20th out of 21st. We're not getting on to Nico Hulkenberg because, of course, he only raced in two races. But Latifi, our thoughts. Latifi's impact on the races has been, unfortunately, a continuation of him causing trouble. Um, I don't think he's particularly impressed me this year I don't think he will impress me for the rest of the year I'm going to give him a 2 out of 10 uh, I think he won't be in the sport for much longer but I wish him all the best in IndyCar hmm. I, is it, what, is it, what does it say that there's an argument for giving Nico Hulkenberg a higher rating than Nicholas Latifi even though Hulkenberg took part in just 2 hmm. races Um that says a lot. I feel. I would say Latifi. I'm not. I'm not a completely horrible person, so I'll give him a three. Um, like I. I think two is just. Two is just cruel. Three is like justified. So he hasn't had any standout. No, he has actually. The one standout he had. He got into Q3 at Silverstone in the wet. How is it? How on earth has he done that? Like fair play to him. But otherwise, like yeah, he won't be in the sport much longer. Considering one, there is a clear deficit between the talent he's showing and the money he brings in terms of there also being... You sometimes get a situation where a driver like Latifi is like not playing at their best, but there aren't many apt replacements. It happened a bit with Marcus Ericsson at Sauber or Pastor Maldonado at Lotus. Like You were like, well, then they're a bit average, but there's mm. no real standout replacements. There are several replacements possibly for Latifi at Williams now, so... Yeah, 3 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I'm going to give him 3 as well. The only reason he's higher than Stroll is because this is but his third year in Formula 1. And I'll give him 2 more before I downgrade him. But hopefully I don't see him have 5 years in Formula 1 because he doesn't look remotely close to finishing in the points. He never really has. Of course, you can say that's somewhat due to the car, of course, but he has been miles off the pace when it comes to even his teammate. And if that's the case, then... I think it's really the writings on the wall and the times to time for, and it's time for him to go really. Sorry about that. And what you say there with someone like Nick DeVries hovering around waiting for a seat in the Mercedes Academy or family, and when you consider that if Williams are to continue with the Mercedes engine, that aligns in terms of the politics of Formula One. I think that'd be crazy not to go for him, really. 
And it seems that's all we got time for in terms of episode 26 of F1 in Review. Thank you very much for listening to part two of our mid-season driver review episode on your preferred podcast provider if you're listening via that or on River Radio, be that live or via the Listen Back feature. A reminder that you can follow myself and Tristan individually on Twitter as well as the F1 in Review account. And Formula 1 returns this weekend. We are going to Spa. Hopefully not for the last time. Qualifying is at 3pm, that's British Summer Time, on the Saturday and the race at 2pm on the Sunday. Once again, British Summer Time in terms of that. And it's forecast to rain on both the days of qualifying and race, but as we mentioned earlier, hopefully not too much rain to wash away the prospect of four points of the winner. Thank you very much for listening and we'll be back next week to discuss all the fallout from Spa and whether some have been able to turn it around and whether others have fallen below par again. 